The second annual Battle of the Blues presented by the Millington Crisis Center. Hosted by WDIA radio personality Bev Johnson with special celebrity judges Bobby OJ, Janine Gordon, and Ina Esco. The event will be Saturday, September 28th at the USA Stadium in Millington. Blues singers and bands will be competing for the $1,500 cash prize. For more information, call 901-872-4357 or email mcrisiscenter at gmail.com. The second annual Battle of the Blues benefiting the Millington Crisis Center Saturday, September 28th. Doors open at 3 p.m. Hey guys, this is April Talbert of Gabby Grace Boutique hanging out in the studio with my girl Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Stan Bell serving you well, pushing more power than a Duracell. I'm hanging out with the double E, Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Let's go. My name is Young Soul, and I'm verbally affected because I speak from the soul, and it reaches the soul. Born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, 24-year-old artist and entrepreneur Young Soul began cutting his teeth as a creative in the southern region of the city as a writer and author at Hamilton High School. However, music soon became the place where he felt his voice truly lay, and the artist began to record demos at the age of 17 before graduating high school and pausing to enroll at Middle Tennessee State University to pursue a career in journalism and politics. In those two years, Soul found that music was indeed his calling. He began building a small cult-like fan base, one that spread from Tennessee to Georgia to East Coast markets such as Florida, the Carolinas, and New York, eventually allowing Soul to travel the country on two indie tours in 2018, both of which he booked completely on his own. The current year has granted even more growth sparked by Soul's viral song, Like Mama, a cut that has over 200,000 cumulative views. He appeared on Dreamville artist Bass Milky Way tour in February, in addition to releasing his first studio offering, Summer on South Parkway, in early June, which I love, which has received high praise from fans and new listeners alike. Soul has expanded his business portfolio this year, also launching a clothing brand and a film company, both based in Memphis. Currently, the rapper is embarking on his third independent tour and is slated to tour once more in October before returning to the studio to work on a full-length album in 2020. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco, hanging out with you guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Verbally Effective Podcast, episode 86. And guess what, people? Today, I have a young man that I have been following for quite some time in this, you know, social media world and music business, I have artist and entrepreneur, Mr. Young Soul with me. What's up, Young Soul? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. It's a blessing. Thank you for being here. How did you get that name, Young Soul? Uh, long story short, uh, I used to I used to like Pimp C a lot. And, you know, he had the moniker Young Sweet Jones. And I um I ended up adopting, I was calling myself Young Sweet uh, Lito, you know, because a lot of my friends were just calling me that. So it became YSL. And then I, the more I became defined as an artist, it turned into Young Soul Lost. And then, like, probably around 2016, after I did my first show, I was like, okay, YSL, I could probably get sued for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, I just dropped it, and it just became Young Soul, and it's just been wow. fitting ever since. Big fan of Pimp C. Yeah. Do you know I'm from Beaumont, Texas, Port Arthur, down the street? Maybe <laughs> I grew up on Pimp C. What did you like hey, about Pimp C's music? Uh, just like the the rawness of it, you know. Uh, like my my uh, my uncles and my my dad, you know, they were like in the street, real real heavy. So you know, that's all they were playing. You know, that's the type of talk, that's the lingo they was on. You know, and you know, Memphis and Houston around like the '90s, like really a real similar place. Um, I know, like, some of the sounds are similar. A lot of the, you know, the vernacular, like, just the slang and the swag, you know, right. assembly, you know. So it was just easy. You know, I was just re- receiving it through the grapevine. Uh, the more I got older and I went into, like, just the discography and the actual rapping and the jewels that he was dropping, even though they might not have been on the conscious tip, it was still jewels about, you know, how to get your money, how to get it in. I just yeah. always. Pimped Yeah, you feel money. me? I liked it, you know, like, yeah. you know. Okay. And he was a lyricist, though. Him, yeah. I think everybody do. Uh, I, I don't think it's an artist alive today that whether they know it or not, you know, could say that they ain't been influenced by, you know, Pimp. I be hearing Kendrick still quote like Pimp, mm-hmm. you know, like everybody just. It was a real deal. Wow. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, 
I know you're from South Memphis. Yes, I always ma'am. ask my guests, where are you from? I know mm. you're from South Memphis because you only. have an album, Summer on South Parkway. So tell yeah. me about growing up in South Memphis. Uh, man, uh, it's it, it's so many, uh, you know, sides and dualities to, to South Memphis. You know, on the one hand, like it's, it's you know, it's dark, you know, it's, it's gloomy. But on the other on the other side, you see so much promise and like, you know, potential in the kids. You know, even me being a product of that, you know, I grew up around a lot of, depravity poverty you know like uh i lost a lot of friends before we even got out of high school you know i'm talking about like in the in the double digits you know murdered by people that we either went to school with or we just knew around the neighborhood so uh you know growing up in memphis it definitely kept me on my toes you know it taught me to just keep my head on a swivel you know really know who i'm dealing with but on a on a on the inspirational tip, it made me want to be more. Um, I saw what I, what the community was lacking, and I see what I can do now. You know, growing older and making the connects that I have, and the seeing the potential that I have. You know, I want to be one of the seeds that come back and help plant more seeds. Uh, exactly, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I th- I just think of a lot of stuff that we didn't have growing up, or we didn't know. We weren't aware that a lot of people in other parts of the city, you know, like the, the far the further east you go, you know, it kind of get better in Memphis. This just what anybody know. But uh, it's a lot of resources we didn't have in South Memphis, even in the schools, you know, as far as arts and creativity that we was lacking. And I was like, okay, I want to be the one that beat the odds, overcome all of that and be able to come back and give more. Wow. And when we talk about like the vicinity of South Memphis, Mm -hmm. I was joking with you earlier. I said I'm LMG because I spent four years of my life on the campus of Lamont on College. So that's back in like 97 through 90. When it's real. And that's when LMG was still over there, right? Yeah, before the gentrification and stuff. Before the gentrification. So, but we never had an issue with with no one from that area or anything. You know, they respected the students Mm -hmm. and the administration. And and normally you find that, you know, anywhere in the black community, you know, like they always going to look out for their kid that's either real smart or, you know, really trying to do something with themselves. You know, a lot of them, even though they might not or you might not think that they might not want that for for themselves, they respect it anyway. You know, like you chose your path, I chose mine. If you ain't bothering me, I ain't going to bother you. Yeah, it was just like that. And uh, so that's like Mississippi Walker Mm -hmm. where I was exactly around what location did you grow up? Uh, okay, so it's a tale of two cities. Um, I originally grew up in the DHG uh, part of South Memphis, which is uh, closer to Castalia, you know, okay. and, and Magnolia, you know. So uh, really, I, I went to Hamilton Elementary, Hamilton Middle, Hamilton High. So right over gotcha. there in that area, that's where I was on uh, Gill Street, uh, which is like one street over from South Parkway, you know, the main street. And then when I was about 14 or 15, my family moved to the other end of South Parkway, which is like towards Third and uh, you know Lauderdale, and yeah. and you know that's yeah, you know that's where you know Black Youngster and a lot of other rappers is from East South Park. You know that end is where like Player Flower was from. You know like oh. down there towards the apartments and stuff. I actually went to school with his daughter. You really? Feel? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Evan's daughter. I went to school with his daughter. Yeah. Cool. Uh, rode the bus together every day. Cool. You know, like really? for real, for real. But you know, um. That side was a lot different, you know, like at the time, you know, Hamilton and Southside were real segregated, you know, they were rival high schools. And when they closed down Southside, Middle and Southside, High, a lot of those kids had to come over there to our school. So living over there for the when I was like 13, 14 was kind of rough because we like the kids from the outside. Like, you know, y'all not from over here. Y'all just moved from the side that we don't like. So I definitely learned a lot. I was robbed. Uh, about kids I went to school with, you know, like so, like I said, a lot of learning experience. It taught yeah. me to keep my head on a swivel, you know. I'm going to school with guys every day. We laughing and joking, but, like, the same dude robbed me. You feel me? Right. Like, yeah. Um, wow. But, yeah, it was just, you know, it's just about, you know, knowing where you're from. Now it's like, you know, I, I've been over there for a minute. We've been over there for probably 10 years, so we just got the, the respect of, the you know, the people that live over there. We grew up with a lot of them families and stuff. So I got, you know, I got a love for that side, just like, like I got a love for the side where I was really, you know, born and raised, you know. It's just... It's just funny that to me, uh, all my life experiences can be encapsulated along being along, you know, South Parkway. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Like, no matter what house it was. That's awesome. Now, you went to Hamilton. What kind yeah. of activities were you involved in in Hamilton? <sighs> Uh, what were you doing over there? Yeah. I mean, I played basketball in, uh, in middle school and high school. I really just uh, like on the academics and stuff. Uh, but of course, you know, I was finding myself. Uh, I didn't start doing music for real, for real until I was 17. Okay. And. But up until then, I always thought I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a politician and stuff. Um, Why did you want to 
pursue being a politician? Because, uh, like I said, you know, one of my biggest things was wanting to come back to the community and help. And I saw that politicians, like, you know, those were the respectable figures, uh, you know, in the neighborhood, at least, when, you know, when I was growing up and stuff. Uh, so I was just like, okay, I can go be the president. And I, can, or I can be a congressman and get yeah. this money allocated over here and get these yeah. kids straight. But then I realized, you know, I got to do the same thing. It really the only difference was the money, you know, like where is the money coming from? As a politician, I can't go do it all out of my pocket. I got to get people to give the budget. Whereas as an artist, as an entrepreneur, I can go create the money and then do whatever I want to do with it. You know, like I'm, right now we're working on getting our nonprofit started so we can start doing give giveaways and scholarships and stuff, you know, just for the kids in the neighborhood. Um, but it's just like kind of where it all, it all started, you know. Uh, but also... In, like you know, like I said, I was just on some writing writing stuff, and then I just ended up finding my music voice, like my twelfth grade year, and I just started locking in and locking in. And, but the opportunity came up to go to Harvard, and um, yeah. yeah, the opportunity came up to go to Harvard, and I was gonna go, but a situation happened um, to where I, I couldn't. Well, um, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, that's deep right there. Um, oh, okay, so back up, back up. You got to tell me how this opportunity at Harvard was presented to you first. Uh, okay, so, you know, 12th grade year, everybody's like, okay, where are you going to school? Where are you going to school? I had like 28 on the ACT. I took it one time, no calculator, got 28. I was like, I took it on my birthday, actually, uh, at Carver. <laughs> I was like, I'm cool with that. I, I didn't even want to retry. Like, I, uh, school uh, valedictorian, she took it like three, four times. Like, all she could get was a 28. So I'm like, okay, if I took it one time, we got this, I'm you cool. Smart. Yeah. 28 first time. So, and I think one of the teachers who just used to see me in the hallway i never took his class but we were just always cordial you know uh so he uh i think his name was mr wilkins he stopped me and was like you know what are you doing with college i was like man i thought about going to uh, you know howard he was like you know have you thought about harvard i was like i thought about it. i was like but the application would probably be too much i wouldn't be able to afford it he ended up telling me that they had a plan in place for students like if your family made below a certain amount of money and your act score was so high you know they Automatic. really automatically let you in so ended up uh you know doing the paperwork for it sending it out for it and they was like you know they was gonna let me in. i got accepted at harvard and Howard. i had both of the acceptance acceptance letters and then i end up catching a, a false case with a girlfriend of mine at the time damn yeah uh, a false case yeah uh, what like, happened like um uh, she told the police officers who worked at our school uh that i threw her down a flight of stairs now you looking at me you see how frail i am you know like am i really about to throw somebody uh down the flight of stairs but even still you know i asked the, the officer i was like you know can you go look on the cameras because i'm like the, the places where she's saying the attack occurred it's you know it's cameras in the stairway it's cameras in the hallway i'm like can you go look at i like you probably gonna see her assault me on there but you're not gonna see me you know hit her or throw her down or anything i even had witnesses um but you know he looking at it, he like well I didn't he like I didn't find her he like but she did say you know that you hit her you know uh, I was like no the only thing I did was like, I restrained her arms I held them like to her side you know until a teacher came down the hallway and got her you know like so she wouldn't hit me I'm like I got scratches on my face do you not see these like he was like well you know it says it as it is to say son you can't you know you can't restrain her you supposed to run to us and come get us he <laughs> he was like you know you may seem like a coward you know to yourself he like but you supposed to come get us I'm like bro I'm like well can you at least go look at the footage he looks at the footage he don't see anything. I'm like, if her claim is me throwing her down the stairs and you don't see me throwing her down the stairs on the, you know, on the camera, like, you know, why am I going to jail? I ended up getting arrested, though. Uh, got out the next oh, day. Wow. Yeah, in the middle of the school day, um, you know, a lot of people were. The cops uh, came in your classroom. No, no, no. No, the way it happened, you know, I was an office assistant at Hamilton, uh, which meant that, you know, I got to walk around the school to help, you know, my designated, you know, assistant principal, you know, with certain tasks that she couldn't get to around the school. So I was actually helping to going to help a friend of mine named Joshua Crutcher. He was a starting football uh, quarterback at the time. We were going to help him work on some, ironically, some college uh, applications. And I actually ended up walking past the uh, – the police officer, he was like, you know, come here. He took me to the room and stuff. He was like, well, she came to us and said, you did X, Y, Z. So I didn't even get to go to class. You know, I would, mm. they took me right out the school, like in the handcuffs, you know, went to jail that night, woke up the next morning. You know, they let me out. I went to court, you know, ended up getting like a diversion, you know, because in the state of Tennessee, even if the parents decide to, you know, drop the charge because she was a minor, you know, so it was up to them. They came up to the school, you know, they knew the story. They knew why she did what she did. It was a whole lot of other stuff going on behind it and her personal life that I want to reveal. But her family dropped the charges against me. Uh, but even still, I still had to go through with the court proceedings because the state picked the case up because they really take domestic violence seriously in Tennessee. Uh, so I ended up having to stay home, do diversion courses and do anger management. 
So you couldn't go to Harvard. Couldn't go. Couldn't go. Couldn't go to school that whole first fall semester. You know, I'm because the, of all of the things because you had I, to do. Yeah. Did Harvard know about your case, and they didn't? I, they yeah, weren't privy I, to that. I mean, I didn't even think, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't even in their control, you know. It was just the fact that I couldn't go. I had to go to anger management every day. Like, I mean, every every week. You know, I think it was every Tuesday or every Wednesday. And I had I had to go there. I had to pay them every week I went. And if I missed a week, I had to restart the, the course, you feel me? Like, And I think halfway through my diversion, I ended up missing an appointment uh, by accident with one of the evaluators because my lawyer gave me the wrong date, either there or she just didn't turn the paperwork in. Oh, wow. But uh, they, they were going to violate me. So, like, well, you really, your diversion is gone now. So, really, we finna retry this. I'm like, but y'all just said it ain't, it ain't even the case. But ended up, you know, getting through all of that. And ironically, I don't even think I was supposed to go there. If I don't if I went to Harvard, I was gonna go full head on with the you know with the politics. So I'm like I'm at Harvard, I'm at the best of the best. I need to do what I be, came here for, what I look like coming here to be a rapper. But I ended up going to Middle Tennessee State University, you know where Take Keith graduated from, you know, and me and Take Keith went to high school together. Me and Keith Lock went to high school together, so I already had some of those ties. But going at the out the MTSU, I didn't even know it was a music school, uh, you know, until like I um. Switched my major from politics to journalism, like maybe my uh, sophomore year. Why did you switch your major? Because I, by that time, you know, I took a course, man, and it was taught by atheists, and it was called American uh, Government and Politics. And basically, our final project of the class, he he basically made us find out, you know, just about various country that had committed you know acts of domestic terrorism against their own citizens and other citizens just for political gain basically he was trying to tell us don't even get into it mm-hmm. so he he went to school got the degree and came back and this was his first course that he was teaching his first course that he was teaching was trying to get people to not be politicians Isn't that something? but Man, it's the truth though yeah yeah that, the project that he assigned us this was around the time that you know uh isis was coming to prominence so it was really revolving around that and the project that he gave us really helped us get to the bottom of why ISIS even became a problem. And at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> but I didn't want to stop going to school. So that's when I switched over to, uh, to journalism because, you know, I wanted to focus on being an author, still being a writer, you know, working on film and, you know, scripts and stuff. And it just so happened that that was like 2015, uh, 2016 is really when I began to like really delve more into music and have the time. Because by that time, I'm thinking like, man, I don't even know if I want to do school at all. Do I really need school to be a film writer? Did mm-hmm. Tyler Perry, did Lee Daniels, did, you know. Did, Tyler you know, Perry was homeless, baby, man. Yeah. And I, you know, I was like, if those type of people make sacrifices for the thing that they want. And I wasn't nowhere near the, you know, homeless at the time, even though I did become homeless later. And that's when really when my resolve as an artist and how much I wanted it was tested. Um but yeah, like I just got, I got out of it. I said, man, school wasn't for me. So but that's it's, a difficult decision to make. Yeah, to go from p- potentially being a, a Harvard graduate, because if I went, I was going to stay till I finished. Mm-hmm. To go from being a Harvard graduate to being a rapper. A lot of people are like, man, that's a, that's a real fall off. But at the same time, it's like, you know, the trade off that I get, you know, I can speak so much more truth in my in my lyrics and my stories, you mm-hmm. know, than a politician ever could. You know, Barack Obama could never be as honest as I wanted to be when he was in office. Mm-hmm. You know, That's you know, truth, it, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, politics come with deceiving, you know, people, you know, even even your own people. You might have to do some real grimy to it's keep people. Yep, in ex- politics. Exactly. I, I, <laughs> I just didn't want to be there. I knew I could have because coming from South Memphis, you're going to learn all the tricks of the trade that you need to to get by any walk of life really from Memphis in general you know but me being from South Memphis going up to to Harvard and stuff man I would have been on it I had started testing my feet uh you know just doing the little mixers and open mics and you know talent shows and stuff and people would be like hey bro where this it can I find this song but it wasn't out yet I was just doing stuff that I had recorded maybe when I was 17 18 but I'm like y'all like this old stuff I'm like bro I'm 19 20 now but uh Ironically, you know, one of my f- lifelong friends now, he's become a dude named James. He was promoting for a pool party. He saw me perform somewhere on campus, and he was like, look, bro, I won't really want to do this off-campus event. We're going to sell the tickets. The artists are going to be able to make the money. I just want to give artists a platform. He was like, don't even look at it as I'm doing you a favor. Just look at it as this guy, you know, showing you the right way to go. This, I swear to God, this is, he, this is these words. <laughs> he told me, he was like, it's not me, bro. He's like, it's God. Mm-hmm. You know, so we ended up setting up the show, sold out, like, maybe 100 people, uh, like standing ovation you know like for real for real and then so that summer you know we just started doing more shows selling like hand-to-hand selling out tickets i think the first venue was 100 the second venue was like 150 the the third venue was 200 but we went up we went over capacity by 50 people and just uh, took off from there 
took off from there. But it was like just in Murfreesboro, you know, people in Memphis don't. It ain't even travel back home. It ain't even traveled out to Nashville. But I'm like, okay, I got something here. I feel like Murfreesboro was a good place for me to cut my teeth as an artist. You know, learn what wouldn't wouldn't work. I learned how to put on my first shows out there. That's why I learned how to put together, you know, the tours that I went on. That's how I learned how to network and really do a lot of this the training around, you know, the inter- entertainment industry that I needed to. And it also gave me that drive of like, okay, you got to get it on your own because, like I said, I came upon a time where I, where I was, you know, homeless. For, for a little bit and you're not really just couch hopping you know from friend place to friend place and you know it was up to me to really support myself because my family couldn't do anything for me you know like my mom got six kids you know they married you know you know so it's other stuff did yeah. she know that you left school uh she didn't know probably until like a year later when she was doing her taxes you know like if you're a parent and, you, and, your, <laughs> oh, and, your, and your kid is in school you know you get the extra 1500 yeah. or so you know so she doing it she's like hey can you send me your school information and i had been dodging her for like a week or so mm. and she was like she finally called me she's like, i just need you to tell me she's like i'm not gonna be upset she's like you know are you in school i was like no nah. So she was like, you know, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to do music. She was not messing with And I, my mama has not ever supported her kids in nothing. But when I first told her I was rapping, she was like, it, it kind of hurt her, you know, because, like, she didn't graduate high school. She never had the chance to go to college. You know, like I said, she had six kids. You know, she started having them early. You know, so she had other priorities. So, you know, I was just like one of them kids where she was like, okay, you know, she probably was living a little bit vicariously through me, you know, in my in my endeavors and stuff. So by me dropping out, it's like, oh, my God, you know. And even as far as family legacy, you know, like you want to have somebody that you could point to in family and be like, hey, this is possible, you know, mm-hmm. if you set your mind or something. But I just kept at it with the music. And it got to a point where, you know, she came to one of my shows and I did the like mama song. Oh, uh, wow. I had, a, I think, uh, two, two, two occasions. I had a, a show at the High Tone, uh, packed it out. And I, that was the first time she ever heard me do the song live, and she cried. I bet and, she did. I yeah. love that song. And I, I asked her, I was like, I was like, I was like, do you get it now? She was like, yeah, you know. And then when I opened for Boz earlier this year, there was another one of the moments where she was like, she was like, you know, you really set your mind or something, you know, mm-hmm. like that's better than you know the the degree, you know, you took the less secure route, you know, Definitely. and, and really chase. Yeah, because you know, like like I said, you know, she got, you know six kids didn't finish high school. You know, smart though. I got get a lot of my intelligence, my wit, my heart, my humor from her. You know, so like I say, you know, she just wanted the best for me always. She just didn't know if I was making this decision because I was being lazy, if it's because it was something I really right. I wanted. So when I did go achieve it, and she got to see me, you know, stand on the stage in front of two, three, four hundred people, and it sold out, and people got their flashlights yeah. waving. You know, you got like a cult like following. Yeah. Now take me back. To that that pool party that your friend hooked you up with do you uh, remember the song you performed one of the songs you performed uh at that pool party back then when it really kicked out yeah uh the song that really got me to stand the ovation was um kendrick lamar has a song called, called the hard part three mm-hmm. which he released when it was close to um to um uh, Good Kid, Mad City coming out, and I had did my own rendition over it, and I I, I remember performing it, and halfway through, the DJ DJ Coffee, God rest his soul, he no longer with us, but he cut the song off, and like it was it was a real moment because people people knew Coffee for like college parties, like up tempo hype, you know you know street stuff, you know. So when I'm coming with this whole different material, like he stopped the the beat and was like he was like I don't think they're hearing you, bro. He ran it back from the beginning. And you know, I I went through it and uh man got me a standing ovation and stuff uh you know so that was when I knew and then I fin- ended up going through the rest of my set but it was just that one moment. Uh, Do you remember where you can give me a few bars real quick? Uh, just a few bars. Take me back, young soul. Uh, what I say uh. It been real in the fit. I live life at the bottom. Been drinking heavy like I'm finding advice in a bottle. But if I don't, at least I drown the pain. I found my place and then I found a way. This this year has been one for the books. 21 years of living life. Couple wrong turns left it there. Trying to get it right. It ain't always been gravy. But you know what's always been crazy. Memphis made me. That's what taught me the real. a and has been on my line. But they ain't talking about deals. So I got family on my line. And we talking to Zip. That they're running my blood. Mama hustled to feed me. Daddy out there, he was hustling greedy. Too caught up in the streets and all the money he was seeing couldn't come and see me but it's ironic how i look in the mirror and see him every day and every way i'm his son even until the sun sets and i'm done i've done dirt that i could never speak on had to sleep on murder seeing people from my childhood sleeping hearses that hurt me why i never go deep in verses i've been so deep in that dark i stopped believing in god for real Mm. Uh, 
I see you. I hear you. <laughs> wow. Got that standing O on that one then. Yeah, yeah, man. And it's just like, that was the moment that I knew because, like, the crowd, it was, it was half of them was, like, people who I went to school with. So, And the half was, like, regulars that actually came to their venue, like, to just drink and have fun. And uh, so it was, like, the younger crowd. But it's older guys in the crowd, too, who I'm knowing, like, 30, 40. I'm knowing they really look like they were veterans and stuff, you know. So <laughs> not only after did I after I perform, you know, standing ovation, like, people actually came up to the stage and was like, this is my first song on the set. They like, look, bro, don't ever stop doing what you're doing. They was like, I feel, you know, multiple grown men. I'm knowing they in their 30s or 40s coming up to me, shaking my hand. out. That's when I knew I was like, man, like, if I can come from this young perspective and I'm like only 21 and these people 30, 40 and the people who the same age as me, like, yeah, that's real. I'm like, yeah, I'm on to something. Yep. Do you like to perform? Yeah, definitely. What does a performance do for you? It's uh, it's a high like like no other. Um, It's just because you really get to, you know, let people, you know, connect with you. You know, your eyes get to meet. You know, you can reach out and touch their hand. You can hug them before or after the show. You know, you know, like it's just y'all sharing the experience. And when the music is on a certain level, like when it's of a Kendrick or a Tupac or Andre 3000, not to slight anybody, but those are just some of the ones you think about that they were as a poignant, you know, like mm-hmm. spiritually, you know, like you feel something when they say to you. And a lot, what a lot of people be like, hey, bro, like, you know, your live performance, like, I just feel it. You know, I feel it, you know, deep inside. You know, that's kind of where I, I held on to the this name soul from, you know, like I, I always speak from my soul. You know, you I do. have to because I don't know if that's going to be my last time to or my, you know, to, you know, reach out, reach out to you or, you know, you know, get you to become a fan. So mm-hmm. I, I always try to give it 110 percent. And it's like looking where I started when I was a performer and looking to where I am now. It's like, Definitely. man, it's so much growth. You know, I just know so much more now about how to connect with people, how to, you know, sequence my sis to take them on a ride, you know, like mm-hmm. and not just put them to sleep. You know. Yeah, because there's some folks out here doing it. <laughs> a lot of them. And you know what? We talked about Memphis, Memphis music culture, yeah. um, people that really put the M on the map. So tell me about some of the artists that have influenced your sound. Uh, as, far, as far as Memphis was? As far as Memphis first. Okay, Memphis. Okay, of course, play a fly. It's my dream, really, to recreate hey. that uh that legendary album cover that he got where he's sitting on, you know, where, where he's sitting on the throne. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just you know the aspect, you know, he looked like you know ghetto royalty. Not that ghetto is a bad word, but he looked like ghetto royalty. Shout you know the, the yeah the he had the gold in the shirt. You know, he mm-hmm. had a little unbuttoning, the gold teeth, the clean fade. You know, to me, that's what represented what South Memphis was. You know, like we flashy fly. You know, we get grimy with you. You know, like which is where the gold teeth and the and the button down come from. But <laughs> at the same time. You know, we just want to live like nice and lavishly. So of course, him. Uh, What's your favorite fly song? Nobody needs nobody. Okay. If not, then getting it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like some of him, some of his newer stuff when he came home with you know with the game old me. You know, like I mm-hmm. I mess with fly. Just like I said, I saw his daughter every day, and she looked just like him. Looked just like him. Oh, man, mm-hmm. look, you they twins, but it's you know so it's like it's hard to not have that respect for him. Even walking up and down you know South Parkway. You know, and in, in inside of the you know the neighborhood, really knowing like man, these folks really built this before I was even here, before I was even thought of, they was out here laying it down. So I just always had that respect for him. Uh, Tommy Wright, mm-hmm. Tommy Wright, Tommy Wright, Tom, Tom Wright a, a legend. He's still doing tours and stuff he now. Is. Pe- I met pe- him up here when he did the uh, show with. Uh, Gangsta Black and a few more people, but yeah. he's a real cool guy. Yeah, too. A, a legend. You know, people like Wiz Khalifa. You know, they, a lot. You know, you go ask a lot of them about my who influenced you. That's what they was listening to. You know, like a lot of people. Three six. You know, of course you gotta say three six. Of course you gotta say eight ball MJG. Uh, even even Dolph. Not so much from a musical aspect, but from the business aspect. Dolph was one of the first artists who I saw realize that. He had to leave Memphis and get on and then bring it back. And the people were going to love him because you don't nobody likes being the eye man out, you know, at the party. You know, so he was like, OK, I'm going to take this money. Like, you know, Memphis really ain't just got no scene right now. I'm going to go out here where it is a scene. I'm going to go chase my bed here, you know, build up my cloud. And then I can bring it back to the city, you know, like so just from that aspect of business of like, okay, I got to go out and, and build that fan base elsewhere. Then the people back home and embrace you. That's how it is for a lot of artists, unless you're from L.A. or New York or, you know, or Miami or Houston, where them type of cities, they want the people who from there to go ahead and crack through. Memphis is like a... What like, is it about Memphis where I th- an artist has to go to another city to get that love and build their base and come back? 
and get shown love. What's up well, with that? It, well, it's just because you know, like nobody likes something that seems regular. You know, <laughs> if if Dolph was still living in Memphis, people were seeing him every day. He probably wouldn't have the allure, you know, that he has now. Even uh, Yo Gotti, Gotti ain't, ain't in Memphis like that a lot. You know, he'd be in other places, in Miami, L.A., getting it in. Like when and, is he ever in Memphis? Ex- exactly. You know, in one of the four day laws of power, you know, like use absence to make your presence, you know, stronger. And I feel like the artists who really, you know, you know, are successful, they they mastered that with within their own fan base or within within their own city. So like seeing you know seeing that with Dolph, it's just like I'm like okay, so I like that. Are you practicing that as well? Are you uh, going to other cities to build your base? I feel like I did. A lot of my streams, you know, come from other places. Uh, I had a couple videos go viral. You know, they got me an international fan base. So you know, now I'm looking at doing shows in Australia, Toronto. Do it, do it, uh, you know, so it. 2020 is like looking up to be big. I'm looking to do like my first international, you know, tour. Do it. Uh, I feel like it's time. But it's a lot of it has been like them baby steps, you know, building it up. Like I said, I started in Murfreesboro doing the 100, 150, 250. Then it was like, okay, people in Atlanta, in Atlanta was hearing about me. Okay, do a show here. Go do a show in North Carolina. Do a show in Kentucky, you know, here and there. But I always doing them in the borough, you know, keeping the consistent fan base. Then I was like, at the start of 2017, after I'd done maybe 50 or so shows, I was like, you know, got to the end. I was like, okay, I really want to start working on planning the tour. So by the time of 2018, we had two set up, one in the in the winter, one in the summer. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, man, she, let, let's just see where we can go from. Let's see what we can build on. I didn't really know any indie artists other than Marco like that I knew of that were like really doing their own tours and going to places like New York and LA and Atlanta, Chicago, you know, like it's easy. It's never easy getting a show outside of your city, but places like, you know, Nashville, it's not as hard to get if you can just move around, you know, you can take a trip out there and, you know, do what you need to do and have all the information you need to do a show. But places like Atlanta, New York, uh, like I say, Chicago, North Carolina, South Carolina, really going out there and actually bringing people out to the shows. You know, like yeah. not not like five, ten people, fifteen people, like people actually coming out. You know, we sold out in Atlanta, L.A. We did pretty well. New York, we did pretty well. Chicago, we did decently. Yeah. North and North North Carolina and South Carolina, they both you know showed out, showed tremendous love. They were really waiting on us to come back still. Look, uh, when you go to these other cities, are you connecting with a promoter that's booking a nah. show? Like, how is the whole logistics of it all working? Okay, out? I'm my booking agent. Like I said, okay. going to Murfreesboro taught me like you really need to learn. How, you don't have to do it forever, but at the starting base, you need to learn how to do all this stuff for yourself. So you can't blame nobody else for it not getting done. You know, it's different between having somebody and they don't do it. Then you got to learn how. But if I already know how I could do it, so I would just go to a city. You know, if I knew some artists from the city, I would go on their page. Okay, what venues have you performed at? You know, just really doing the, the little research. Like, you know, I'm on my phone. You're going to be on your phone anyway. You might well be doing something productive. So <laughs> I would just, even if I had to Google, uh, you know, what venues in Charlotte or venues in Atlanta and go through hand by hand, look at what, go to the website, look at the setup, see what the fee is, you know, sending out all the emails to every venue. Like I was, you know, doing it from scratch, emailing the venue, contacting them details. Uh, deposits you know all the type of stuff coming out of our pocket we didn't go with a promoter any time on any show mm-hmm. uh it, it be done yeah we just really you know i had built up such a you know respect with the artist community in, in tennessee you know with a lot of people who were signed and unsigned like i said i knew to take keys and the key glocks but i also knew people who were bubbling in other places you know like people like tim gent brian brown little line uh black sun just to shout out some of the other people from tennessee doing their thing um you know, so I just knew these people and I was like, hey, what do you, you know, hey, would y'all do it here? You know, the people that I knew in every city, you know, would you come out here? Would you come out here? Would you come out here? And it was also part of me knowing that, you know, a lot of those artists, they was just eager to do shows, too. You know, we we all, you know, trying to get in the door. It's not really a scene for, you know, creatives to be doing shows every week. It ain't a lot of promoters that's going to get you in the door and let you perform without you having to come out of, you know, some money. Mm. So it was just me using the resources I had, calling my friends and be like, hey, bro, do y'all want to perform? Yeah, we want to perform. <laughs> then it got to the point where it was like, hey, do y'all want to go on tour? Yeah, we want to go on tour. If somebody couldn't make a date, I would just go to the next person I knew. Like, hey, bro, somebody can't do this. Do you want to fill in? Like, do Because a lot of people ain't traveled. They ain't did shows out of Tennessee, period. And a lot of people want that. You know, when you got when you dedicated yourself to your craft and you know or you feel like you're good at what you do, you want the opportunities to get on stage and, like, get some more fans because those are the people that you can't reach on Instagram because they are they not following you. Mm-hmm. So you could have just dropped the best song ever, but the thirty or forty fans that you got from that show, you would have never got. You know, if if you just 
you know, stayed on the Instagram. Gotti on yeah, the got to. And you know what? Yo Gotti, for example. Yo Gotti been doing shows for, for a long, long time. And I and I and that makes me think everything you're telling me, that has really built up his base. Because mm-hmm. he been out there on yeah. the grind. From the time he had the, the teeth in his mouth to, you know, now where he got the veneers and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's like I said, it's like looking at people like him and Dolph and, you know, they realize like it's only so much you can do in Memphis. Like the city don't really just support the creative community like that, like uh, Atlanta does. If Memphis had everything that Atlanta did, man, not not even, to, you know, like to, you know, get on Atlanta. But we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have them record labels that you can just walk into. You know, we don't just have, you know, like people don't just know that they could just walk up and hire me today. But like I said, most people don't even know where our hard media is yeah. you know barely know what our radio stations are so, so that's why we got the verbally effective podcast look like finding the, the finding them show diamonds love, in the roof love. and and i feel like you know going forward like stops like these will be instrumental in like mm-hmm. artists reaching that next level because like people like you know like you paving the groundwork for people to have a voice and stuff that's like been. you know like i said this is probably like my b- biggest interview to date and i done done oh. a few but you know because of the stature and like what this is and who you are like people w- will respect it and appreciate it more because when they go okay like who is he talking to oh 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 like they ha- person has a resume P- person has been doing what they're doing for a long time and they respect it in a craft we don't have a lot of people like that in memphis who are at that level who are reaching back to the younger kids and like hey man let me help yeah. you out bro right. i feel like the worst thing that's plaguing us is that we have a divide between the older people and the younger people like and I hate you know the older people misunderstand the younger people and the younger people in turn misunderstand the old people so it's like we got a bridge to exactly who's going to be the person to be like okay like Let's all sit down because Memphis could have been Atlanta five, ten years ago. You know, it ain't oh, it ain't like God. the artists ain't been hard and ain't been working. It's just like like I say, it ain't them platforms. You know, we ain't got nobody who gonna pop up yeah. from Complex or NPR or Noisy. You know, yeah. a lot of these you know like outlets they're gonna give people you know in other places chances to shine or even be heard of for their first time. We don't even have a blog scene mm-hmm. in in Memphis. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people like Kendrick, Drake, Cole, Lupe Fiasco, Wale, Big Creek. A lot of people who are the stars now they first got they big breaks on the blogs you right. know there was but that ba- you know it's a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of opportunity it's just about Money you on the table you just gotta find <laughs> find your way to get in definitely but look but look let's talk about um like these deals and um these management deals i know you heard about meg the stallion yeah um with, with rock nation picture yeah with her and jay-z rock nation and i'm really not privy to the details because i know Rock Nation does a lot of management and mm-hmm. they do like distribution, yeah. either or. But um, would you ever sign a deal like that? Uh, like a management deal? Because well, I know you're independent. You're 100% independent, yeah. right? Yeah. But what does that really mean? Are you taking care of all duties or would you it, delegate some out? I'm, I'm, it, under the, the right situation. To me, the biggest thing is, bro, I'm going to make the music that I'm going to make regardless if y'all here or not. So as long as I'm taking home the biggest slice of the pie at the end of the day, then it's cool. Y'all could give me a budget that I could use to do X, Y, Z because I already know how to do X, Y, Z. If you give me a tour budget, I'm going to only spend half of that, but I'm going to get the tour done. The other half will probably go in my pocket because I'm just that resourceful at getting things done. I, don't, I wouldn't need the label to do little tidbits. I would need them to like make the thing like the, the connections at the radio or like on the stations, on the TV and stuff. The, the real di- the digital distribution that you can't get with a distro kid or any of these online streaming services like even united master you know where they just upload your stuff mm-hmm. i'm talking about i'm trying to get you know placements on other places so I, rock nation would i do a management deal with them probably but it's because of who it is mm-hmm. you know like you if oh. you can stand it if i was able to get on instagram right now and post a picture standing next to jay-z My. i would be the hottest rapper <laughs> in memphis for the next two three okay. months if i put out a project within the next two three months i'll probably have a career for life but it's because of who i stood next to a lot of times you know you know of course the devil is in the details but a lot mm. of times people only care about the look that's why sometimes people sign deals just to go floss on their old friends or just oh anybody who ever doubt them yeah i got a deal i got this on the screen but then you go look at the paperwork like then how much of your money are you taking home at the end of the day really? how many people got their hand in your pie and that's kind of the reason why i went towards you know trying to get my own record label started a blockboard records i want to own the music so when i come to a label 
I could be just like, you know, Jay-Z and Dame Dash and Biggs was when they had, you know, uh, Rockefeller. When they was like, well, we'll partner with y'all on some distribution. Y'all can get y'all a little 15, 20 percent and we'll take 80, 85. You know, we can live with it at the end of the day, you know, because nowadays, you know, Instagram is the new TV. Twitter is the new TV. YouTube Definitely. is the new TV. You can make your own content that keep people interested. Even though it's a sad situation right now, you look at Takashi six one nine. His label really didn't do anything spe- spectacular he to get him on. Up if, on social media, he was acting up on because that's the new advertisement. You know, people. The times that we live in now, people want to be entertained, whether it's good or bad. Bro, you know, somebody gonna have an opinion about something. It's a joke gonna get made about something. So he just mastered the tactics of he trolling. Did. You know, he he took what Fifty Cent did and brought it to the digital era. You know, really and did. being from New York City, of course, you know, like New York is one of them cities. It don't care what you on if you hot man they gonna support you because new, <laughs> new york want to be on top you know they tired of ha- seeing it's the south and market baby exactly they tired of seeing the south and the west you know really run things you know yeah. but you know but now, so speaking of takashi though you, you mentioned takashi yeah. 69 what's up what's going on with takashi 69 they uh, saying he is bitch and well, woo, woo, woo. what's up with takashi my personal opinion on takashi was he never should have been even lit into the culture you know this okay. is this is like to me to my knowledge he don't have no black in him like and everybody like latino hispanic i don't want to get the turn wrong but uh, you know of that descent they don't you know they don't mean you automatically afford it you know that you know the ability to say that word i feel like he came in very disrespectful of the culture in general and yeah, even when he did the breakfast club interview he was just saying straight up like people was laughing like it's funny when he's saying it but it's like really think about the message that he giving off because he the hot he one of the hottest things in the world what other message is he passing along of people from like the same cloth that he come from they could just come in and not respect hip-hop and you know just do what they want to do say what they want to say step on the toes they want to step on an infiltrator it that <laughs> you know, we was having a conversation about that earlier that's exactly what i called i was like man i wouldn't even be surprised if he was put in that position just to bring people down like we i don't, I don't mean to talk bad about you know our people but there are certain people in the culture that will do anything for some money oh, yeah. you know so it's like if you can go to a person and be like hey bro i just made a million dollars let me give the, y'all over here two three you know hundred you know you know other you know to you know just bag me bro be my security you know let me talk ruefully you know if i if i need the bag of you yes. know roll me a lot of times you, they probably think like man look at this little kid he ain't dumb enough to really get us into no real big war you know so yeah yeah we you can do this then when it started taking off and like them walls start closing in you know people people getting jammed left and right now you got the situation where you have now where y'all thought the child could really bully him and he really kind of outsmart everybody because now he finna get the least amount of time he gonna be out for the soonest real, for real yeah. but what's gonna happen when he get out that, everybody calling him a snitch you think he's gonna catapult after this I'm, or well, no his interview that he does the first interview that he does after he, he get done with that is gonna make him so much money he probably will never have to even worry about it even the money that he done made now off the music you know it's like they not they, government ain't finna go touch that like it's there he didn't cooperate like they don't want none of his assets and that they just wanted the testimony because it helped them bring in not only one dude you just helped us get like 15 20 more Man. and the names that he implicating on the stand probably gonna lead to another 20 more because after the case over they go like i will because like you know they say he just implicated cardi b and jim jones today Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, this what? this. How are they? How are they well, involved? A, allegedly, he's saying that you know they were a part of the same gang that he was a part of. Allegedly, you know. Cardi B, um, Jim Jones. I know Jim Jones gangster, but Cardi yeah. B. Yeah, I mean, that's a little chitter chatter and talk. But you know, apparently, you know, he's learned enough about the structure of how things are going, and he's seeing names on the stand. So it's like, man, now who around her might be about to go get investigated if they not already being investigated. And if you don't know when you start being investigated, you don't even know where your timeline to start being careful about what you said what college you took what emails you know it get harder to cover your tracks because you don't even know how much leverage they got on you you know Damn. so i just feel like he he's done so much harm you know just to the culture in general you know like he came in he got his money he didn't even care about hip-hop he probably couldn't even tell you who was the first dudes djing mm-hmm. in the bronx or you know over the bridge or what wow. you know a lot of this wow. stuff and, can't do that. and i was telling my friends i was like you know someone was like hey, i really like Takashi." i'm like no nah, you know don't don't fall for it like he not you know <laughs> he he's clown. he's not for us you know like hip-hop you know hip-hop is is global now you know but words are a universal language which is what hip which is what's helped it become you know global mm-hmm. but man like hip-hop was made for like black people like mm-hmm. inner city black kids you know who weren't able to voice their struggles i don't just because takashi's like from the neighborhood or whatever it's like he was he should have never been allowed to do what he did but he was enabled by certain powers that be where this definitely 
whether it's the markets or the radios or even the community that he found himself in. Everyone but, is influenced by this. Yeah. The pop culture. Yeah. And and plus I think I was telling my friends earlier, I was like, you know, he really had perfect timing, you know. And really we gotta kinda blame Donald Trump for this. You know, when Trump was really on the campaign trail heavy, he was, you know, he was really speaking really anti against you know, people of the same descent of people like Cardi and, and uh, 6 9 But at the same time, these folks getting hot on the radio and in the streets. So, you know, it's it it would be crazy to think that half of they, this small percentage of people that support them might not only be doing it because, you know, out of rebellion for Trump. Like, yeah, you think we don't belong here? But look, man, we crushing the radio. We got the hottest songs. The culture is ours. And, you know, like after Cardi got in the door, you know, because him and Cardi from the same neighborhood, you know, they both from the Bronx, bro. Um you know, after Cardi getting in the, in the door, he can oh. he can come right in behind him. He of the same descent. He got the he got the crazy color hair, but he rapping just like the black kids rap. Yeah, he got all it, of it. It's ugly. So I just feel like he he played the part mm-hmm. to the T. Wow. But it's just how we end, you know. In uh, we'll see how you know. that one pan out. Now yeah. speaking of shows, I know you like to perform. What do you think about this whole new thing? With the holograms, I know you heard yeah, about. I seen that Whitney was, Houston. You heard right? Yeah, I just saw that Did yesterday. You see it? What do you think? Okay. Would you actually go to a show with a hologram performing? No, not really. Uh, <laughs> not. I mean, if I wasn't able to see them while they heard, it just wasn't meant for me to see them. I know, you know, like, what kind of uh, experience I mean, is that? It it's just like going to watch music videos, like bro, just sit at home, save your money, bro. Like look at the real person in the flesh. You know, I don't even I, I don't even think disrespectful of a person's spirit and they death to be still profiting off their likeness, a real performance. Like only Whitney could give you Houston just like that's, that's like somebody brought back a Beyonce hologram. Or Michael Jackson. Yeah. Well, they tried Michael Jackson too, didn't Yeah, it? they did Tupac too at, at Coachella one year. I think, uh, was that Dr. Dre or Snoop Dogg that brought him out? Oh. Uh, Might have been Dr. Dre. That's uh, disrespectful. But, yeah, I just think, man, sometimes you just got to leave stuff alone. But then again, capitalism no, knows no bounds. Like, we literally about to blow up the planet because people can't stop thinking about the dollar or the euro. But, or, and check this out. It's her family. It's her sister-in-law. It's her sister. It's her brother's wife what? that used to be her manager. That that started this whole hologram mess. I mean, did Whitney say anything about what her wishes would have been in regards to that? I don't know. At that but point, I think you got got some rights to do that. If if they're actually gonna they're gonna start the tour in Mexico, oh then go to Europe, and then it's hitting the United States twenty twenty five. Well, I actually think, you know, people probably won't even care. By the time, it'll been so glossed over, people been to talked it out. You know, it's like, what else can we say about it? Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm just going to see. I'm going to go to see how it is so I can talk about it bad <laughs> and talk about it good, you know. Wow. Okay, Young. So let's get into some of your diversi- diversification. Uh, okay. You know, you're an artist. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah. What was the inspiration behind your clothing line, Block Days Apparel, which you have on uh, a hoodie, a nice yeah. green junk? I'm, I'm going to get the, you one. Go get me one of them junts. We gonna your get boy you, over here got get the you, jersey junk. We're going to get you the pink one. <laughs> I want a pink right. one. Man, uh... So, uh, you know, block is block days apparel is tied into a lot of things. Uh, for one, it's just like family, uh, culture, and it's like a little inside joke between me and my friends. Uh, we stayed at, a, at an apartment complex where the building was O, and people just used to joke and be like, "Man, y'all stay in O block, don't you know?" Like in reference to Chief Keith, because uh, he was like real popular at the time. So we just started running with it, and as a joke to other people, we started going to get shirts made. You know, that just they had block boys on them. And it just had the O in, in the middle and stuff. So I was talking to Malik. I was like, man, block boys. But I was like, bro, that's really a nice term, man. We could really, you know, do something with it as far as, like, uniting people. Uh, so uh, after we after we dropped the, you know, the real joking story, we went and got some, I think, some shirts made uh, starting off, like, last year around this time. And they sold out pretty quick. But we was like, man, are people buying them just because they are friends or are they buying them because they really mess with the idea and the product? So we came back with hoodies and I think we did a, a large variety of those. We had green ones, pink ones, uh, blue ones, red the ones, black around ones. around the corner. That, yeah, we about to bring them back again. We already you working on something for... Back. Better stock up. Yeah, we working on something for October. It's called Blocktober. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cute. 
And yeah. it's an acronym, and it stands for what? Yeah, it stands for uh, Better Lives for Our Communities and Kids. Uh, you know, at the root of everything we do, you know, like I ain't trying to make money to sit on it, man. I'm trying to make money to bring it back to the community because I know I, when I die, I can't take it with me. Mm-hmm. You know, so what we and like I said, I, I grew up seeing like my community be deprived of a lot of resources that kids could have used. You know, we could be things other than rappers and basketball players. Like, what if we had an art center, you know, or a gymnast center, you know, or a STEM center, you know, where kids could go be like, hey, I really like this, man, because like some of the brightest minds are hidden in the black community beneath poverty and inopportunity so we just want to be able to go back and just start from scratch you know like really buying back the block building the block up you know cleaning up parks doing book drives supply drive back backpack drives you know thanksgiving drives christmas drives scholarships doing anything we can to help the kids in the neighborhood i know how hard it was like for my mom provide for six kids uh, really seven because I had a nephew, you know, at a, that my sister had at, at a younger age. So it's really like seven kids, two adults, you know, and really trying to make sure everybody is okay. You know, so I, I know how hard that is. And I know a lot of kids growing up, you know, in that same neighborhood, like face similar obstacles, you know, and sometimes you might just need the extra release to go out and be able to go, you know, go, you know, look through the through a lens of a frog or something or be able to go paint or you know go dance or go record you know or go sit and see how people make moves or how people dj anything that your heart desire i want to be able to bring that back to south memphis like through you know the block i'm actually working on a non-profit just called you know the block foundation right now we uh sent out for the paperwork or like probably a week or so ago the, uh you know we really trying to start doing free concerts and giveaways like as early as like next year, you know, bring it back a, a festival and stuff, you know, to the city, you know, like, a festival, you know. And, you know, those type of things we don't have. Of course, we have them during festival season, like, you know, in May, you know, when we have mm-hmm. all them festivals back to back downtown. But then again, after that, the rest of the year, man, the city is dry. And October, I, though. October, uh, what we got? Uh, uh, what's the name uh, of that? Uh, I, I, know, uh, I know what you're talking about. I just, I it's drive. With, it's with the folks with Royal Mem- Radio. Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. Yeah. That they have in their Shelby uh, form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that's going to be tight. Mm-hmm. But like Are I you going to be performing? I wish. <laughs> I'm really, <laughs> really, my happen. yeah, really, my main goal uh, next year is to do as many festivals as I can. I'm trying to start expanding and stuff. I know that the music I make right now has a certain ceiling in Memphis because I don't have you know a certain exposure to go along with the message that I'm trying to get across. But I know a lot of you know festivals that I will play at. People are gonna like that music. <laughs> you and what know? is the message you're trying to get across? Uh, just growth. Uh, all across the board uh, i chose my name for a specific reason like i want you to focus more on the message and not the messenger like at the end of the day when people are like whose song is this young soul who is young soul like he just a young soul like mm-hmm. 50 years from now like you know, they just be, hey bro he was just you know a cold dude you know on the, on the mic i want people to focus on it like i seen so much in my time being from south memphis like the bottom of the bottom and then going to college and seeing like what life really could be on the other side you know where all the colors are white so, you know, just having that duality. But, like, when I come back home, like, you know, Memphis is my reality. The, the other stuff for me is, like, the pretend fairy tale world because it, it don't last for long. You know, my family is still in South Memphis, like, doing the same thing. Hello. Um, wow. So, okay. That was a question, actually, from uh, some of your fans. Oh, uh, wow. Chris Townsend, 901. Yeah, you know, shout Chris, out Chris Townsend. I got another question for you. Um, talk about your dynamic with producer guru Bernie Amsterdam. Why him? Describe the feeling you get when he plays his beats for you in the studio. Okay, look, right? <laughs> Bernie Amsterdam is going to be one of the greatest producers. Well, he already one of the best, but like, in turn, he's going to be one of the greatest when it's, when it's all said and done. Bernie is also from South Memphis. Uh, grew up right over there, like, in Riverside, right off South Parkway, too, which is ironic. But it, me and him actually met at MTSU. Uh but he just he he one of the best man. I feel like me and Bernie have a connection. Like me me and him can talk for hours and music not even be be brought up one time. Like on some real connecting, like in the mind and in the heart type stuff. So normally those type of people I can make songs with all day. And this why the chemistry came about. We have uh I think four or five songs on my project. The intro, um what else? Case loads off top. Uh, Eddie anxiety, which are some of like people feel like fan favorite songs off the project and i think it's because like me and bernie share that same duality of having seen what the world is like so we know what sounds that people outside of memphis would like and we can give them to them but we can also get in the, in the studio and really give you like the most craziest you know mm-hmm. memphis flow that you probably have like I, I just love working with bernie man it ain't too many like him he all about creating he all about hey let's just get in the studio and work we was actually together last night we cut about three tracks uh started working on 
on my next album a little bit and on one of the projects that I'm dropping in October. So I mean, I, EP? Yeah. Okay, um, EP action. I can't yeah, wait to hear. Yeah. Another question from, I want to say, Shandell Janae. She says, who would you most like to collaborate with and what is your creative process? <sighs> who would I most like to collaborate? Wow. Man, right now, I love to get in with with Jid, uh, which is like a new signee for Dreamville. Of course, Cole. Of course, Kendrick. I would love to do something with, with a Drake. I love to do something with Wayne, just off the nostalgia that I have and the respect that I have for Wayne. Um, my creative process is abstract. I'm not the artist. That's, I can go to the studio and write songs like if I hear a beat, but most of the time, like I'm living so much inside my head that I'm writing my songs in my head, too. Uh, like like Mama, I didn't sit down and write like Mama with a pen and a and paper and record it in the studio. I wrote that song in my head over a course of how many months is it from April to December? Yeah. April, May, June, July, August. Yeah, you know, um, I heard the beat in April and I had to break up with the girl who inspired the first verse of the song in April around her birthday. Which is where you know a lot of it end up coming in together. Yeah, <laughs> and ironically, she had the same birthday as my grandmother, who had just passed the year before, before we started dating. And the first show that I ever did at MTSU, like she was there. She didn't even go to the school anymore, but she was there. When she ended up finding me, and I'm like, man, it, you know, it's just type of stuff. You'd be like, man, it was just meant to happen. So I feel like I was meant to write this song, but I didn't write it on the pen and paper. I just carried it around with me inside, and I thought about everything attached to that situation and then when i finally you know got to the studio it just came out like the words was already you know there in my head you know uh that's kind of what my creative process is like now if i'm with somebody and we just finna get in the studio like and have fun yeah i can go to the studio and give you 10 verses in a day <laughs> but as far as anything on a project i'm probably gonna sit with it for a minute i'm probably gonna record it listen to it 300 times tell myself i hated 298 we do that to ourselves, <laughs> don't we? Yeah, and then and, and then find five. Be like, what what you hearing, bro? I'm like, I'm like, it, look, I had a certain way I had it in my head. Yeah. If it don't come out like that, it's not done to me, you that's know. That's how creative is though. Yeah. That's how that's how we do. But I feel like on, on another hand though, if you not, you know, you ain't gotta be overly, you know, cri- critical of yourself. But if you're not being critical of yourself, you really ain't challenging yourself to be the best you can be. Cause only an arrogant, you know, person will go in the studio and be like, "Yeah, man, it's fire, bro." <laughs> like, "Yeah, bro, this is the next one." And you got people in the studio looking at you like, "Yeah, man, probably not." Mm. But yeah, wow. So you also started Legacy Films. Tell us more about the vision yeah. for your film company. Who's involved? What's your role? And what type of film? Well, Legacy uh, is actually. Uh, me and my uh, partner, uh, Miles David, we both have owned it. Um, Miles did a lot of work with Spike Lee uh, on other projects and stuff. He worked with uh, Nat Parker on Birth of a Nation. He did other little projects and stuff. Uh, I actually met him in Murfreesboro at a show, man. He uh, There was a lady named Lily Max. She worked for MTV. He was friends with her. She got him to host the show. So he introduced me, and I come up to the stage. I'm nothing like what he think that my name, because at the time I'm still calling myself YSL. So when he introduced me and stuff, he and I come up and I'm scrawny, you know, like black kid, skinny. He like, man, what you finna rap? He, he actually ended up checking me, you know, uh, and uh, you know the crowd lab. But I, I played off in good sport. Got up there, killed the performance. Uh, I did so well that one of the painters who was painting that night, he gave me like a uh, one of his like most prized paintings. Like he was like, here, bro, you can have it. Like he like just remember me. He like just remember me and. Me and Miles ended up talking outside, and he was like, man, you know, so, you know, where you from, bro? Like, what you want to do? It's X, Y, Z. That's when I mentioned film to him. He was like, well, look, man, like, I'm going to be off the road in a couple years. Like, we could really lock in. And last year, uh, the opportunity, you know, really came. And he was like, look, man, like, I really want to give you half the company. And he, so he, you know, he just brought me into it. And uh, we immediately got to work on forming an idea of doing a a movie around, like, uh, the album that I just dropped, Summer on South Parkway. Actually, the movie will be coming out next fall we really gonna do a whole bonanza around it i really love that album summer on South thank you Parkway. thank you um did you have a billboard yeah i had a billboard uh on airways uh so if you head to east memphis from south mm-hmm. memphis you know you drive past airways the exit you know you can either go towards whitehaven or you can go towards south memphis uh the billboard that was over in the corner on airways that's the one that i got because it's it still there? uh i don't know if it is it, it might it might still it when you leave see if you I'm gonna see if it's still up in rotation. Uh, I was trying to get one in Nashville recently. I think something was wrong with their system, but we are gonna get to it. I'm really trying to spread it to Nashville, Atlanta, LA, New York. That's a dope album. 
Come on, stop playing. Yeah, I I tried to make it as honest as possible because it really was real life. You know, like uh, the names of the tracks are really you know chapters that I was going through within that whole summer. You know, like the intro track is Sunset on Sunset. I had just wrapped up tour in L.A. Um, like which was the second the second tour of the year. So I, I wrote the intro out out there with the intent of coming back to the city and finishing off the project. Bando is symbolic of that back to the bando back to the basic like i'm back in the city let's get back to work hard. yeah and then um does, does la give you like that energy or something is it def- I could electrifying def- about being out in that city I, w- angels? I was in la for probably two weeks longer than i was supposed to be so let's oh, okay. tell well, you every, you f- uh, <laughs> i mean it, it just fit the life for me i'm already like a, a night owl i don't go to sleep at all so i you know i'm up i'm always looking for something to do i always feel like i'm wasting my day if i go to sleep like if i have to make myself go to sleep i should be falling asleep from exhaustion from really working on my dream every day so la ain't no falling asleep it's something to do every night even if you leave the show at one o'clock it's another show popping up at two three o'clock mm-hmm. that you can go meet somebody and network and be you know get your music out and that's you know i feel like i blend it with it like plus the weather man like mm-hmm. you really just can't be cali you know not not to mention the, the recreational activities you know that you <laughs> allowed to do freely just as an artist ooh, ooh. I see why a lot of people go to L.A. when they're working on a project. It's just so much freedom out there, man. It has you in a better headspace, just being away from home. And me being from South Memphis, I'm out here in West Hollywood, you know, right next to Calabasas. I can look up and see the top of the Runyon Canyon from where I'm staying. And I can walk up there in 15 minutes and really see everything. It was was just like real. It was real redeeming for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like I I said, being an indie artist and just getting started and been able to tour twice in the same year like and i'm like man i'm in la bro like we got record executives at the shows uh like guys who are number one albums like pulling up to the shows like yeah bro you just killed it i got to see ari lennox uh i love what, ari lennox yeah I, I caught her concert that was when foe had just come out and she mm-hmm. did a, she did an all all deaf uh digital concert that was free mm-hmm. ended up sliding through there man um Ended up linking with the uh, the engineer who uh, did a lot of the work on Roddy Rich's new album. Uh, even the platinum songs that were on there, he did a lot of the work on them. So it was just, man, it was just beautiful being out there. Who's your favorite rapper? One it, person. It depends on the day and it depends on the mood I'm in. I, I would say, like, best, I would say it's Kendrick. But my favorite rapper, uh, I probably would go with Drake. Just, just from the standpoint of how he delivers the music, like, and it's just, it, he got like the Tupac effect. Tupac was nowhere near as near as lyrical as Biggie. Drake is nowhere near as lyrical as Kendrick or a Cole per se. But it's just how you say it sometimes. Like sometimes music come down to man, how simply can you put this? You know, Biggie could come up with the hardest eight nine bar. You know, like and Pac could give you the same thing in two lines. Now you appreciate the artistry from Biggie, like man, the wordplay, the lyricism, the way he stack it, the syllable use. But then you appreciate just the rawness and the heart that you heard from Pop. And I feel like that's why when you talk about greatest ever, you know, like you just got to talk about like the overall impact, you know, because yeah, yeah. Now, other than someone in the music field, who is an inspiration to you and why? Other than somebody who is in the inspiration field, I mean, in the music field, who's inspiration? Let me think. Oh my God! This I ain't nobody ever asked me. I've never had to think about this before. I've never had. To, uh, <laughs> off off the top of my head, somebody, but everybody. Okay, I will go with LeBron because LeBron is not in the music industry. I I mess with LeBron off the like off the fact that we kind of had like similar beginnings you know growing up in a neighborhood that's not the best you see some of your friends go wayward but you decide to like keep going and push through all that and just so you could be the symbol for all the kids who gonna look up to you after that you know i look up to lebron for the philanthropic work that he does in the community like this school like Mm -hmm. blew my mind and you know a lot of people go overseas and build schools for the like how how many people actually going to do that in the heart of where they are because cleveland needed that more than any other city or any country in africa did like that is gonna do so so much for those kids there you know like so i definitely got to give it up to lebron even like trying to do the extra you know pursuits now with the acting and the directing and producing shows and stuff you know like just showing that like I, i really am more than an athlete i'm more than this box that you tried to put me in definitely wow well you know what i'm so happy you came here today young soul and i know you got you know 
Matonya 2020 album coming. Yeah, uh, Metanoia. Meta- yeah. I said Matonya, didn't I, me, That's just how I look on, on the paper. Metanoia. I, I, yes, ma'am. Uh, what does that word mean? Uh, it, it basically stands for, you know, just a reimagining and a redefining of, like, your ideals, yeah. your life, your behaviors, everything about you. And right, I, I feel like it's the album that Memphis has never had, but that it's always wanted. That's what I'm trying to make it be. Uh, I, I really want to paint a picture of, you know, why the why men or even just people in Memphis in general think the way they do and how like what can start out at home can become something that affects the neighborhood, the community, the city, the state, the country, the whole diaspora, you know, like that's why it's like metanoia. I'm really trying to get people across the board to change the way they thinking and feeling about certain things. Wow. To be twenty four, you are really like an old soul. Seriously. Hey, that's where I get it from. I'm <laughs> but I, I just like I, I'm one of the kids who just like I'm an Aquarius, so I sit back and I'm like in my head all day. You know, when I just think about all you are when you leave Earth is the sum of your experiences with other people. You know, like because you can't tell your story anymore. So I feel like when I'm done, I want every person that that's come in contact with me to be like, oh, man, he taught me something, or he made me feel something, or he inspired me, or he made me look at, you know, this a different way. I might not have looked at it like that. And I feel like that's really all our job is here to do, man. Like you, you like make connections with people and like you know make them feel something. Definitely, you doing that? You doing that, young solitaire? Everybody, how they can get in touch with you? Uh, you can follow me everywhere: uh, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook at the number one young soul. That's Y O U N G S O U L, young soul. Awesome. Well, I look forward to collaborating with you very soon. Definitely got to happen. Man, this pie going to be hitting. I already feel it. I yeah. already feel it. Episode yeah, we're going to have to do a part two. Or, yes. you know, a song, but, I'm yeah. open to that. I'm, I'm open hey, to that. Whenever I get this, uh, this project uh, wrapped up, you'll be the first person I come see. Thank you so much, Young Soul. Episode 86 of the Verbally Podcast.